Think three, five years into the future. Paint that picture for yourself. What's time freedom, financial freedom, all those characteristics look like when you close your eyes and you just get so excited about what that is. Then think about how does that version of you who's living that life into the future, think, speak, act, what are they doing? Take those things and then bring that into the now. What are they saying yes to? What are they saying no to? What are they tolerating? What are they not tolerating? Thinking about the latest research in psychology and neuroscience and how do you program your mind to become a new idea identity now because it's identity that pulls you forward. Welcome to Tech Careers and Money Talk. What if you could hang out with experienced tech industry executives, ask them about career growth, equity compensation, investing, financial strategies, and more. Then take an insight or two to guide your own career and lifestyle. Each week on the show, Christopher Nelson shares an in-depth look at how to navigate tech careers and hyper-growth companies, select the right companies to work for, earn equity, and build a passive income portfolio. Christopher is an author, tech exec, and principal and co-founder of Wealthboard Capital. His goal is to give you the information you need to grow your career, build wealth, and make an impact. Now, here's Christopher. Welcome to Tech Careers and Money Talk. My name is Christopher Nelson. I've been in the tech industry for 20 plus years. And after climbing my way to the C-suite, working for three companies that have been through IPO and investing my way to financial independence, I'm here to share with you everything that I've learned and introduce you to people that can help you on the journey. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Matt Doan. Matt Doan runs Uncaged Life Design. He helps executives who feel stuck in their day-to-day job deal with burnout today while staying in their jobs. I think this is so important. It's no secret that working in technology, while we get this front row seat to the future, it can easily lead to a 24 by seven lifestyle and burnout. Matt is going to give us some solutions today to be able to address that. I'm gonna share also some of the experiences that I had dealing with that later in my career as well. That's gonna be in the second half of the show. So stick around for that. In the first half of the show, we're gonna walk through Matt's experience of high-flying management consultant, how he burned out hard and how he fixed it. I'm so excited to introduce you to Matt. Let's go talk to him right now. Okay, welcome to today's episode of Tech Careers and Money Talk. I am so excited to introduce you to Matt Doan, personal friend of mine, and also really successful guy. I mean, when you look at his track record, 13 years in management consulting at some of the highest levels, I'm talking about a director at Booz Allen Hamilton. We're talking about principal at the Boston Consulting Group, but his story didn't end there. It actually ended with some very stressful incidents, some burnout, And then I think what's amazing is he ran experiments on himself. And I have to say, I love people who experiment on themselves, right? Tim Ferriss and some of us that follow that guy. And he was able to decrease the negative impacts of work while getting promoted and increasing his lifestyle. Now he's teaching this at Uncaged Life Design, where he helps transform executives just like you into people who can perform this way at work. I'm so excited to introduce everybody to Matt Doan. Christopher, happy to be here, man. Let's have some fun for the audience. Yeah, let's let's have some fun for people and let's let's dig in. And I, I want to start everybody off with, you know, your story. I think it starts like like many of us. You got a great education. And then what really launched you into the management consulting track? 
Yeah, so came out of, well, let me go backtrack first off. Grew up in a very conservative religious military household, right? Where you got the idea of learn the rules. I remember even early in, in church, I grew up in the Catholic church and it was like raised to be God-fearing. So don't mess up with the rules, follow the rules or bad stuff happens to you. So this is conditioned very early. You know, as I'm exiting high school, it's basically like get into a good school because a good school creates a good path. A good path creates a good job and a good life. So this is what subconsciously is going through my head. That's the roots of it all. So I get out of college in the mid 2000s. And really, after the uh, dot com bubble burst had receded, and things were good again in the tech world jumped into technology and cybersecurity consultant mm. in the management consulting space. And it was a good time, right getting back into that world, things were looking good in tech, and found a lot of value where I was able to plug in as a consultant, learned a lot of interesting technical skills, management and leadership skills, started to find my footing as far as what I was good at, what I was interested in, and very quickly started rising up the ranks in this career field. At the same time, Christopher, I had a lot of, quote, success personally, <laughs> got married at 24, ended up having three kids by the time I was 28, wow. and bought a house and all these things, had the two cars. Everyone would tell me, Matt, you are living the American dream. I'm like, box checked, box checked, box checked. This mm. feels good. Ego is stroked. I am in a good spot. This is what I'm telling myself as I'm making this fast rise in my 20s, right? All the while, my wife at the time was raising our three kids. The demanding job pulls me on the road, always places, always going different countries, serving clients. This mm. is what was required. I looked up at my bosses. This is what success looked like. This is what was role modeled for me. I knew nothing different. So I felt I had to do the same. And in essence, Christopher, it got to the point where my job became my identity. I couldn't separate the two. I could right. never unplug. And I told myself, this is for my family. This is for them. In reality, I wasn't giving any attention to them because I was sacrificing everything at work mm -hmm. and telling myself I was for them. But there was a huge disconnection. And that all got to the point very soon where things started to fall apart. But I'll pause there and see if you have any thoughts there. Well, yeah, because I think like I want to I want to walk through because the journey that you were on is most of us. Right. And and I can't speak for myself because I deviated early. I have a whole crooked path story. But I saw so many people like yourself where you got in the good school, then you got into the job. And so what were I, I want to try and tease out for people like what were some of the things that were really good that were happening that gave you momentum? But then also in hindsight, where did you see yourself all of a sudden starting to message you know, to yourself in ways that were, were starting to create a rift between you and your family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were a lot of goods early in my career. That first decade, I really found a ton of value and I still value it today. Those experiences, the ability to plug into meaningful missions, whether it was like defense and intelligence community stuff, whether it was private corporations doing meaningful missions, like working up to boards of directors, these were very important things in my mind. And those experiences were only accessible through a corporate environment. The only way I couldn't achieve that as Matt in his mid to late 20s on his own, right. completely inaccessible. And that idea of plugging in and learning leadership skills, managing teams, where else would I get that other than an environment like that? So I'm immensely thankful. It created a foundation for me skills wise mindset wise financially of course it created a good cushion for my family a substance to be comfortable and build off of i'm very thankful for that 
But as time wound on, you know, after I built that foundation, I kept going and I kept going again because mm. I thought that's what I had to do. And I swear within a year, things just hit a wall. I remember being in Munich, Germany for a meeting and I was in my gold plated hotel room. I remember it very clearly. And mm. I just had this hyperventilation thing happen to me where I couldn't breathe and I fell to my knees because I realized I was in Germany for a one day trip and I was missing my baby son's birthday wow. for that work meeting that I didn't even need to be on. I felt it was just keeping up with the Joneses at work. And I was like, what the hell am I doing right here? What am I trading off? And that kickstarted over the year, like literally within a few weeks, I learned my my dad had brain cancer. He passed away in 90 days. I had mm. to reconcile with not having the relationship I always thought I would have time to have with him. Right. Never built it. That was brought a lot of mortality thoughts to my mind. Life is short. My wife and I's relationship fell apart. The work at home thing, like the tension from work was terrible. We ended up getting divorced, which in turn prevented me from seeing my kids. So I only saw them four days a month. And it still wow. is to this day, a decade later, that same scenario, which wow. is a very long-term price to pay. My mental and physical health was terrible. I was living on anxiety medications, just trying to get through. I was in therapy all the time. It's all happened within one year. And what I had found, I have language for this now, Christopher, is that I'd given so much of my life to corporate and I was trapped in the corporate cage. Yeah. Now, the corporate cage is a mental state that we say yes to. We opt in. It does not happen to us. We opt into that cage. We yes. step into it. What I didn't realize the whole time is that the door was wide open, but I <laughs> chose to stay in it. And that's really hard to admit, knowing the cost that transpired because of it. But that was a turning point in my life where I had to say, I need to rebuild. It's do or die for my kid's sake. And especially, how do I deal with this work environment? I need the paycheck, the benefits to support these three kids. I need to be a father that <laughs> makes them proud, that actually creates a right. life for them. So I had to rebuild from scratch right there. And that that led to what you're talking about was me experimenting on myself to create a new relationship in a demanding corporate world. I got to the point of taking what was an average of 11 hour work days, running some different scenarios, being inspired by Tim Ferriss, some of my coaches and mentors. And I converted that down to five hour work days quite wow. quietly, right? And I didn't really tell anybody about it because it was for survival reasons. And I can go into lots of tactics and strategies and what that is, but I need to live, to breathe, to be there for my kids while keeping the paycheck. And I created a whole new relationship with work at that moment. And and I do, and we're definitely going to get into some of those details and in, in, in tactics and strategies shortly. I want to go, I mean, one of the things I, so I worked in consulting for the first eight years of my career. And one of the things that I found there is that a lot of the people in management, in leadership, they're walking around in the cage also. And I didn't, I didn't see, there was occasionally, I can remember now, now that you and I have had conversations and this whole framework, I could remember seeing some people in leadership that maybe had what people would call cush roles or they're, yeah, they're at a plateau that now I think, did they have it figured out? Did they have this balance? And so I'm, I'm just trying to understand, did you, did you see people or did you have mentors where you worked that were understanding this or was this truly, you know, something solo that you had to go on? Hmm. I had a few people that inspired me 
And they were the anomalies, very much like the one percenters of the environment, right. which looked like they were, you could see them physically healthy, mentally, emotionally calm, feeling joyous. Mm. They seemed to have great family life and they weren't always plugged in at work. They weren't always accessible. And I looked, it was mostly like VP, senior vice president, managing director level, people that took advantage of their authority and seniority and just created a situation for themselves that worked for them and the life they were trying to live. Right. And I remember like, why can't I do that? Even if I'm not quite at that level, why can't I be assertive and do something similar? Mm. It's making it work for them. And then of course, is working with mentors and coaches. Like, how do you formalize this? How do you bring real structure? So between that inspiration of like the 1% executive that had control of their situation and the few mentors I had that helped me figure it out structurally, that's where I got the inspiration from because I felt it was possible and I didn't need to be a super senior C-suite person in order to make it real. That's right. One of the things I think it's really important is to help people identify the bars in the cage because it is... It's really interesting how it happens. And even just in this conversation, I'm reflecting back to you think you get out of you get out of college and all of a sudden you have a life like you go to work, then you come home and you want to go out and you don't you're an individual contributor. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. And I think the bars start getting put in place. And I remember when all of a sudden I wanted to go for a promotion and then it was okay, you're going to have to be more available. Like that was where I see like all of a sudden bar number one starts coming. Oh, what, what does that mean? I may need to call you on my drive home and, and close off on some things. Or, you know, can you, you know, come in a little early for this? And it's, they start painting it, you know, really sort of faint lines. They start then putting a little bit more cheese out there. So they start walking you into the box because, you know, and this is where I think these conversations that we're having and, you know, I had Maurice on, you know, a bit ago and I know we're, we're all mutual friends now that we've been in the same room at the same time when that happens. Watch out, people. But I think that they draw it with this lure of more responsibility, which I think we want. Like, I want to be able to lead teams. I want to be able to deliver more impact. But then they start, you know, fuzzing these lines up that start leading us into the cage. What are what are other things, you know, in bars that we see? Because I, I want people to be able to start identifying where they are in the cage and where it's it, like they can literally walk out today. Yeah. Wow. So there's all sorts of bits of cheese they dangle, right? Incentives titles, seniority, compensation mm. of different types, right? And you know, all sorts of different compensation models. Um, so they allure you here, they bring you in. In reality, what's happening for the most part is they're trying to make their lives easier by divesting some of the responsibilities onto your plate, things they right. likely don't want. Um, they're gonna say, I'm gonna need to call you on my evening ride home because that's most convenient for them. It's not what's best for you, but it's like, this is what makes my life easier. You just see what's happening. It's like everyone here, all of us are just trying to make our lives a little bit easier, a little bit more free, mm. a little bit more to our own liking. That's right. And it happens in the corporate world, right? Like, how do I make my life easier by, you know, giving you some of what I used to do that I don't like anymore? And 
you got to look for all the things that you're trading off. Like if by accepting X, what am I trading off? What am I giving right. up? You know, and there's all, it's all, every, everything in life is a series of trade-offs by saying yes to something. I'm having to say no to so much else by saying yes to the role and compensation. I'm saying no to evening time with my family. I'm saying no to my personal health, my mental time, my ability to learn, reflect, meditate, exercise, whatever it is. I'm saying no mm. to those things. And I just want people to be conscious of it. But then tactically speaking, like what does it show up on as a day-to-day -day basis? Well, 8 a.m. stand-ups, 5 p.m. stand-downs, town hall meetings, extracurricular things that feel smart. You have to show up and do the cocktails in the evenings. Right. You have um, a project that seems good at the surface levels, like someone's pitching you on it, but underneath it's absolute crap and you're, you're not a good fit at all. And it's going to stress you out because your skill set and interests don't align right. whatsoever. Right. So all these bars start coming up to use your language there. And it takes a very brave soul to critically analyze, you know, by saying yes to this trip, saying yes to this role, by saying yes to 8 a.m. stand-ups every single morning. What am I giving up? I'm giving up my energy, my family time, my creativity, space to build something of my own. It's all sorts of things that we're giving up. So we have to take this brave choice to say like, no, that is purely optional. No, that does not contribute to the career and life I want. And we got to have a life design we're aiming towards overall so we know where we're pointing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, once you start saying no to stuff that's truly optional, and you only say yes to the corporate stuff that really moves the needle in a way that you want it to move is good. There's lots of strategies and tactics, but I'll give you one example right now. Look up vertically at your management chain, your boss and your boss's boss, and you understand what they're rewarded for, what their incentives are, particularly what gets them more money. Okay. Like, let's right. be very straight yeah. to the point. Everyone wants more money at the end of the day. That's where we're working jobs we don't like, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so in that state, you, you got to ask yourself, how do I make my boss financially successful? How does his, his or her boss's boss get more financially successful? Do the dirty work to understand what they're rewarded for. Go talk to them. Go find out indirectly through peers. Learn what they really want to see as outcomes and you adopt those outcomes for yourself and ask yourself, what am I gifted at to deliver on? How do I enable mm -hmm. those outcomes using my unique skill set? If I can use my, my coding skill set or I can use some sort of like agile project management skill set and that contributes to my boss's success, who's they're going to vie for you at promotion time. They're going to vie for you at the salary bump time and you're not killing yourself on stuff that's a waste of everyone's time. Well, and that's and that's essentially what you did, right? So then you start running these experiments on yourself. And one of the things, and I've seen, my wife is actually really, my wife, Regine, is excellent at this too, where she can leverage corporate to get her all sorts of training that she needs. But you then were running experiments and started realizing how you could produce more by working less hours. Exactly. It. Well, produce the right things, more right. of the right things by right. working fewer hours, right? So rather than 12 hours, say like a 12 hour work day, which is really long and fragmented, maybe three hours is real work. Nine right. hours is fake work. Very, you got, we all know what the fake work is. It doesn't move the needle. It's, it's BS stuff that actually doesn't contribute to the organization succeeding. And you say, well, how do I use these three hours as effectively as possible? When in the day do I want to use these hours? Should I use them in the morning? Should I use them in the early afternoon? And then you start engineering your schedule 
for that reason. If I want to preserve my morning, say to be with family or to exercise or do creative work for my own business, I need to preserve those mornings. I need to make sure that my corporate stuff's appearing at the right part of the day. I need to do the hard work to decline, move, re-engineer meetings or project activities that get in the way of what I need to happen right now. So it takes a lot of active work, but it's all dependent on knowing what gets rewarded in your organization, knowing how you can best plug in using your natural gifts, and how do you make sure that it's all in service of the life and priorities you have for yourself. As you were, so as you started running these experiments, you started carving time back, you still got promotions. Like this wasn't a scenario of where all of a sudden your career plateaued. Like all of a sudden you found that with this, you can get another gear. Mm -hmm. Think about the people you might've respected most in your past organizations. Were they the ones who were emailing at 11 PM, always frantic, always online, feeling like they were just scrambled? No, it was the people that felt in control, maybe a little bit more mysterious, hard to reach. Why is that? Right. Again, human psychology. We, for people that are more mysterious and scarce, our mind says, oh, they must be busy with important things. I, I don't want to waste yeah. their time, right? That's right. And if you look at like uh, Robert Greene and 48 Laws of Power, one of his laws of power is actually our respect and honor for someone goes up if they're harder to reach, if they right. are busy doing important things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you only get so much time with the CEO. Same effect is in play. They're so busy. If I get five minutes with them, I'm so appreciative of it. But if you instead are always online, always on Slack, always answering emails, nights and weekends. What are you? You are a commodity player. Mm. You, in the minds of others, you are just mediocre, right? right? Mediocre means you're always available, always wanting something. You don't value yourself. You're not busy doing really important things right now. So it is a mind game where you have to have enough contact and presence with the people in your organization, but not so much that you become a commodity in their mind where they can just move you around like a chess piece. You've got to respect, you've got to understand how to self-respect in order to increase the respect they have of you. Yes. Yes, you do. And I, uh, you know, personally have found the same thing as well as when I started blocking off time, becoming less available, people then, you know, put you in a completely different category. And tell me a little bit, I think one of the stories that I really enjoy is how you got work to um, get you into strategic coach that then you helped start building this business outside of work. And I want to walk people through, you know, what so many people, and I know myself, I made this decision at one point in is it's so easy to run from fear. And instead of running from fear, we need to move towards joy. But when we experience burnout, you know, which is this, you know, I think comes with shame, comes with regret and all these feelings. We want to run away. You made the decision to stop, change, look around and say, wait a second, I can actually operate different here, create margin. And then you said, I'm going to turn this into a business. Yeah, let's talk about that journey. So after I'd created space, which is the operative term here in my corporate job, I was able to breathe, be a good dad again, be healthier. Again, for survival reasons, that was my only thing at the time. Eventually, I started getting curious intellectually, like mm. I started reading more, getting into philosophy, psychology, entrepreneurship. This is someone who'd never had an entrepreneurial bone in their body, never knew an entrepreneur. I always thought at the high end, it was like 
Bezos or Musk in the low end. It was a mom and pop shop on Main Street. Didn't know anything in between. It's just like, not for me. Not for me at all, Christopher. Right. Like, this was what I grew up <laughs> with, right? Military household and all this. Uh, but then for mm. some reason, I came across uh, Dan Sullivan. He was the founder of Strategic Coach. And yeah, he was getting close with Ben Hardy at the time. He, they've written great books together since then, like Who Not How and Gap in the Gain. And um, But right. at the time, I, I found Dan and his work, and it was so alluring to me. It's like, what would it look like to be in the room with him and his team? What would it look like? How could I get in that room? And I was like, I'm going to be a complete outsider, even if I can make it happen. But I looked at the program. It's for entrepreneurial growth, essentially. And I looked at my tuition program inside of corporate. And I said, well, they would value me if I were more entrepreneurial, right? If I were able to have the characteristics of someone who saw opportunities, took initiative, made something out of nothing. Like the characteristics of an entrepreneur is, is very much valued in a corporate organization. Just like when someone calls themselves intrapreneurial inside of a big organization. Right. So basically, I created a business case and got it funded for 10K to actually go take that program several years in a row. So I was in the room with all these entrepreneurs. I was the only person who had a day job <laughs> working in corporate. That's amazing. So it's a huge imposter feeling. But my God, just it completely brought in new mental models. It's like the old world is like gone. Like that whole corporate attachment, it is gone just by being in the room with these people. I was for a long time running from that world that took me apart. I had run mm. and created space, but now, like to use your words, I felt this compulsion to run towards these people living this life. Right. Some had one, two, three businesses. They had this multiple houses, lifestyle, massive impact for people they were meant to serve. I was like, this has to be a part of my future. I don't know how, uh, but stayed in the room with these people. I found additional coaches over time. Fast forward when COVID hit, I was like, ah, I'm not traveling. This is the time to start my business. I don't know what it is, but I need to start this business now. Several iterations forward, I thought at first I was going to teach technology leaders, like uh, chief technology officers, CIOs, CISOs, like this, teach them to be leaders, because that's where my day job came from, doing right. that kind of thing. Um, I ran out of energy for it, didn't feel quite aligned to me. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got to the point after having several clients of, I'm just meant to serve my past self, the person who was stuck in corporate hell and it was overrunning their life. That person had no room to breathe, to be, to be for their family, to build anything of their own. I'm going to teach them to create space, to breathe again, turn their job into a tool. I'm going to teach them to be their future selves now. And I'm going to show them an entrepreneurial path, which gives them long-term opportunity and excites them. It's exactly what I did. It took a number of years, but I now had the tools and framework storylines to be able to convey that to people and really accelerate their journey. Right. To be able to give them the frameworks to say, okay, you can live uncaged while incorporated. And then, and then let me give you the tools so that not only are you uncaged there, but then you can actually walk into, you know, new, new ways of living outside of that as well. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's exactly and, it. and that's it. That's, that's the Matt Doan story. And I want to take a quick pause right here. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. And now I want to spend the second half of the show. I want us to really break down some of these strategies and tactics. So for people today, technology employees are in running million miles an hour. How do we give them some tools today so that they can start creating some margin? We'll be right back. All right, we are back here with Matt Doan, and we are we're not going to be mincing words. We're going to get right into it. And and I think you know from the first half of the show, one of the things that's so important, and I I. Uh, see you, we've talked about it and I see you write about it a lot is how do, how do people immediately start 
leaving the cage? What are some of the first things that they do to, to start moving outside of it? Mm -hmm. Great question. So most people think to themselves, I need to leave corporate and create my own business because that is the path to freedom. <laughs> and that is a very <laughs> several steps ahead mindset here. When reality, we need to do some things to set a foundation. First, we, we need to do is create space. What Can I, I say essentially, I, I want to pause right there because I, this yeah. ha like we have to like this to me is a public service announcement. Let's make this announcement because we've see I've seen this happen to detriment to families. I've seen this happen and I want to call out a caution because sometimes it's sold online that, oh, once you leave corporate, there's this beautiful entrepreneurial life ahead of you and caution, cuidado, said it in Spanish, is it's hard. Like being an entrepreneur is hard and if you develop, if you do it responsibly, you can create a landing spot for yourself. But all of a sudden walking into entrepreneurship, having to all of a sudden meet the same financial responsibility if you don't have a financial plan could be brutal. So I do wanna make sure, uh, you know, to Matt's point, like slow down, stop, and there is there is the, the potential and possibility to fix where you are right now so you don't make any hasty moves. Thank you for stopping us there right now because if you're not, careful you'll see all the stories sold online which makes it seem super easy oh i'm suddenly making multi six figure months and it was so easy and i work two hours a day and like come on that took them three years to make at a minimum let's not right. gloss over that and let's also be clear that some of the models you're seeing online popular on places like linkedin people start you i want to sell the 200 dollars digital course i want to sell a hundred thousand copies in a year okay let's talk about that's point zero 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 one percent of people that are able to make that effective they started in 2018 before the creator economy boom before everyone wanted to be a coach creator consultant there's a window of opportunity it's a very mm -hmm. different time period right now for someone that wants to make that particular move i'd say the odds of doing that at all anymore are pretty much zero Let's be very honest about that. So you can't just look at someone else and be like, yep, I'm going to copy their journey. It's going to happen in a six months and then life is good. I'm sitting on beaches with my martinis or whatever. It's not going to work that way. It is hard work. It hurts. It hurts. And is it worth it? Hell yes. If you do it right and you're, you've got grit and perseverance, let's break it down though. You're in a crappy corporate environment. It's dominating your life. It's miserable at home. You're not there with your spouse and kids and you're just not sleeping. And you're like, how can I continue on for decades? That's the mentality, right? You might be late 30s, early 40s, something to this effect, you know, 15, 20 years in. And you're just like, ah, can't continue on. Step one, create space. I call it corporate autopilot. You have to engineer your job to make sure that it stops overtaking your life. I was working with one client even in the past week. They said to me, Matt, over the last few months before I was dominated by my job, couldn't unplug. I was awake at 2 a.m., chest was tight, couldn't breathe, tears in my eyes. And now I don't care. I am doing my job in five hours a day and no one knows the better. People respect me. I'm in control. My, my spouse and kids feel I'm happier, healthier, more peaceful. And you know what? I just look at it as a short-term asset. That's all the job is. It's like a venture fund for my life. And I'm creating this other life over here. Like that's the mentality to have. Like, I don't want you running from that job. It is funding your life. It's a valuable asset. Use that term. I know that's an important asset on this show. It really is. An important yeah. word on this show, right? It's yes. a short-term asset. Leverage it. 
Okay. And the idea is that once you turn it on autopilot by opting out of the stuff that doesn't matter, choosing the things that actually move the needle, engineering your schedule accordingly, developing the mental muscle and the bravery that things won't go south, that th things will actually be okay. Everyone I work with so far comes out the other side and goes, nothing bad happened. I have right. so much more time and energy back. I'm better at home. I have more respect at work. They're talking about a promotion goes back to that law of power idea, right? You, right. you increase honor and respect by being a little bit more mysterious and scarce. Take advantage of psychology. So that's step one. That's step one. And so let's, and, I'm, and we're going to even go down a little bit because I, I have some experience in, in doing this too, is when I wanted to start creating margin. So my story goes, climb the ladder. I got to the C-suite. I was a chief information officer, got the role that I always wanted that all my mentors wanted me to have. And as I was sitting in that seat and I was spending time in the office away from my kids, I realized I don't want this at all. I don't want it. And so I had to, after six months, unwind that, which was really a little embarrassing more than anything, because, you know, you, you have people who refer you in, you have all these things. And so then I was able to get a, a vice president level role, VP of, of applications and project management office. And the first thing I did going into that role is I said, I'm protecting dinner time with my family. Here's the time I'm walking out of the office. I'm going to go have dinner. And then I opened up a half an hour block, you know, and I said, hey, if we need to do some emails or communication, great. Nothing yeah, happened. That's power. Nobody, let, let nobody said, ask you. said boo about that. Yeah. Ah, uh, what were the, what fears might you have had in making that move? Well, it goes, it goes back and this is where, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to have like a client call here too, in front of everyone, because I was programmed. It went back to this early days in consulting where it, to be the promotion, to be the important person, I had to be accessible. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to get a foothold into family first, and the first thing I did is I reflected back, I was raised in a household where dinner time was sacred, right? Everybody sat around the table. We all had dinner together. I was like, okay, that's my first foothold. I wanna get to that. That's then going to be, if I can establish this habit, I can do other things as well. And so in the mindset I overcame is that I don't have to be available at all times. Let me just block off sacred dinner time and let me tell everyone, hey, this is the time. I got young kids. I want to have dinner with them. I want to do these other things. I'm done. And to my dismay, everybody respected that. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're so intense about that, bro. Like, okay, all right. And and it was fine. And so then I built off of that and I said, well, then I'm going to start. I wanted, I wanted to start, I was uh, building out this private equity company, the real estate. So I, you know, this, I did the same thing more East is now I start blocking off the morning. I always had a morning routine where I got up 4.30 and I did my exercise and stuff. Well, now I'm going to block off from six to eight. I'm going to block that off. That's my creative time and crickets because I already had the other block. Now all of a sudden I have this work hour and, and it goes back to what you said. Then you do a survey and you're like, you know, and, and, and I read your stuff. So, so I'm using your terms too, but you do the survey and you say, what are just the BS meetings? Like what are the meetings that are just killing time, not value in the lens that I started using is what are the meetings where we're talking about work versus we're doing work. And if it was my own team, I said, stop right there. We're going to, you're going to do the work first. We're going to go to the meeting, you know, and, and you're going to make sure everyone knows what we're doing. There's agenda set beforehand. We're not just going to go in and talk about the work and then do it. 
prep, be more prepared, like take that proactive stance. And then in one of the things I did learn from a, a great mentor of mine is if you start instilling discipline in your team, that discipline starts spilling out because people realize like, oh, you're running a tight team. Everyone's going in, having these crisp meetings. Like, what are we doing too? Like all of a sudden it starts emanating out and then people see you as more efficient and they're like, oh, wow, like, could you do this? Like they start creating opportunities for you as you get more efficient. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone's lives improve because you were assertive for your own reasons. And then everyone goes, wow, could we have that too? Well, because the thing is, 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 you know, and I, I, I remember that there was a way that I used to work and it reminds me of when I rode motorcycles when I was younger is, you know, on some of those fast bikes, you feel like you're just hanging on by your fingertips because these things are crazy and, and, you know, hope mom's not listening, but out of control a little bit. And the reality is, is, is you're right. Like we can all of a sudden opt into this work style of everything is manic and we're stumbling from one meeting to the next. And that to me is another big mindset shift is there's, you start blocking off like my space, my time, my family, my health. Then the second thing is, is you go through and you say, what's my work style? I may be playing a tape of frantic going from thing to thing, feeling like, yeah, I walk in the room, I make the big decision, and then I'm out to do that 15 more times a day. What if I want to get really proactive and I just want to do that two times a day? And I'm going to change the way that I work from more reactive to proactive. I think that's a mindset as well, too. It do is. You, do and you, see that? you don't have to be the, the senior most person either. I think that's where a lot of people say, if I'm not the top of the food chain, I can't call the shots. In reality, most people are suffering together as a team. Mm. And I think if you are the one who is assertive enough to say like, here's my limitations, but also here's a way that we could introduce a new process. We could turn this meeting into something asynchronous. Here's a way that we could go from three times a week to one time a week. Here's how we could just do a midday check-in versus 8 a.m. every day when people are trying to start their day with families like you would lose their creative time people good leaders are open to suggestions and if you are the brave soul that says here's what i'm seeing here's an opportunity to make things better here's how we create deep work time for everyone mm. on the team so everything's more efficient a good leader should be very receptive to that and willing to test other things out now if you have a toxic leader who's like my way or the highway that's another signal that you might have to deal with and say shifting teams, shifting companies. But most environments, like good companies, are pretty damn workable. And if you're in yes. a good local culture, because all cultures are local cultures, essentially, you should assert yourself and see what's possible. Everyone will probably be pretty beneficial and rewarded because of it. It's so true. And so, and so you, we have this sort of this step one where all of a sudden you're starting to create margin. You're blocking off your calendar. You're removing a lot of the noise. You know, there's a big mindset change. What is what comes next in 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 sort of this progress of creating the space, creating the margin? Yeah. So front, once you have space and you have room to breathe and explore, and at this point, we're still not building a business yet. I encourage people in this situation to start thinking about their future selves. I love this term. Ben Hardy talks about it all the time. But essentially, think three, five years into the future, you know, paint that picture for yourself. What's time, freedom, financial freedom, all those characteristics look like when you close your eyes and you just get so excited about what that is. Then think about essentially, how does that version of you who's living that life into the future, how do they think, speak, act? What are they doing? Take mm. those things and then bring that into the now. What are they saying yes to? What are they saying no to? What are they tolerating? What are they not tolerating? 
bring that into the moment. This is thinking about the latest research in psychology and neuroscience and how do you program your mind to become a new identity now because it's identity that pulls you forward. It's the whole idea of be, do, have. You need to be someone in your own mind first, be someone that values time, freedom, and controlling your work and doing work that you love and being there for family. Be that person in your head. Then do things that are in accordance with that identity. And then voila, you have those realities in your life. I am, I am choosing to be someone who values their family and their free time and their time. I am doing things that engineer that into reality. And all of a sudden I have that reality where work is five hour work days, no nights or weekends. I am free. I am calm. I am healthy again. Be, do, have. That's so powerful. That's so, I've never heard it phrased like that. And that is incredibly powerful. So thank you for that. I think there's such a mindset shift when people start envisioning their future. And I, I talk about it, tech careers and money talk is really, you know, formulating your exit plan because ultimately our goal of working is to exit. And I think in this day and age, the, the, we can exit into this portfolio lifestyle where we have some investments, we have some work that we do that, you know, feeds our heart, feeds our soul and continue to contribute and make an impact. But it starts with allowing yourself to have that vision. So, okay, we start creating the margin. What, what are some of the questions that you ask people when you, you want them to start really envisioning what, what they want to be? Yeah. Well, one of the exercises I give all my clients is list out a hundred wants you have for you. Just mm. envision wildly, just go, go on a walk, pull out your phone and just put it in like dictation mode. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. Like dream it up. Think yes. 10 times bigger. Don't think a little bit bigger. Think 10 times bigger. Something that excites you beyond words. I want to ski this mountain. I want to have four houses. I want to control all my mornings and never have a boss again. I want to be having lunch with my spouse every single day. I want to take six trips a year with my kids to exotic locations. Just let it all out. Like this is literally literally rewiring and giving yourself permission to have something so expansive that you've never thought possible. And you put it out there and you stare at it. You go, oh my God, that's actually not that improbable. I could see how I could pull this off. Now I'd have to be very dedicated and I'd have to make certain moves. I'd have to be very bold about what I'm saying yes and no to. I'd have to take on some opportunities to make some exponential income, things like this, but it's doable. Let's have a go at it. Right. Get right. them wanting it at a deep level. And mm. then, you know, you come at it with different angles. We also say, like, what energizes you? What drains you? Take all the drainers. Like, let's minimize this crap out of our life. Like, mm. get it out of it. You just attack it from different angles. You're training the mind to say, I want this, not that. This, not that. This, not. And dream big. Dream so big. You're like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can handle this. This is like monumental thinking. No one I know dreams this big. But it, it, and then you surround yourself with a community of people that that's all they do. When I got into the strategic coach program, I was in an environment with people living far beyond what I ever imagined. But I stepped into that world. And ever since then, I've never relinquished that. I keep surrounding myself, investing into communities, masterminds, coaches, peer relationships like you and I. Like I very much value our relationship because we are, we are aiming big. We have freedom, ideals, things we want to accomplish and have impact in this world. So it's that tribe that you surround yourself, that identity you pull out for yourself. That's what pulls you forward into a new state of freedom that you define for yourself. Wow. Wow. I, I think... 
people are going to get so much from this because you know you're you're breaking it down in what I love about that hundred list exercise. I'm going to do it. I'm literally going to do that tonight because. You're right. Sometimes we limit ourselves. Well, there's 10. And I think sometimes it's so easy, even when you have goals and you have focus to, oh, well, let me let me put a little limit on that or let me put a limit on that. No, when you are imagining your future, let it go. Because we in in what I really appreciate about what you said is in in about your story. So let me let me do a little synthesis. This is one of my little superpowers is you were somebody when you tell your story. It's about like being institutionalized, right? You have the church, you have the military, these big institutions where it's like, no, don't go be an entrepreneur, get in there, be the best institutional robot you can be. You realized as you sat with these entrepreneurs, like I am rewiring my brain, the hardware. And for us getting out of the cage, you create space and then you rewire and you do that by by sending these positive huge vibes of imagination and possibility and then when you put that into a community of people who are actually doing that then you're being that you see it being done you're going to take a step and you're going to have oh I got one done I'm going to get another done and everyone else is pulling you along the way encouraging you this is how this all works this totally. is how it works this is how you yeah. get outside the cage and, and this is the big point is you will not do this alone. This is a meta theme here. If you mm. just try to say, I'm going to read all the books and the podcasts and, and just do all the social posts. If you say, this is going to activate me and I'm somehow going to find the willpower to make this a reality, you're done. You are done. This is how humans work. We are, we are nurtured for community. We That's have right. to be with a group that is pulling us forward, thinking like, think a bunch of like high speed boats going together. We are going together. We are shooting across the water. Like I'm going with the high powered boats. I'm not going to bring out this dinghy and try to go at their speed. It's not going to work. Okay. Like I'm going to be a high powered boat and I'm going to go with all these because they're going lightning fast towards the destination that excites me. And it's thrilling. We need the community energy, the structure, the accountability, the I'm not going to let you go fall down because then I'm going to fall down. We need that accountability working together. We grow as a group. The group that was handed to you, say, in a corporate environment by default, your local team, your manager, you did not pick them. The likelihood of them thinking this way is near zero. You have to actively go out there, seek your people, determine what their value system should be, learn from them, gain ideas from them, and then start behaving like them. This is how you do the be, do, have, right? You find yes. the people and then you start envisioning yourself to be like them. You do things like them. And then suddenly you have things like they have right and that's and it's not things like material things that you have experiences you have community you have the life that you want because that's ultimately what this is all about right is we're mm -hmm. we're not si sitting here advocating for the bigger house the bigger car but it's the the time freedom the experiential freedom the location freedom these are the things that you know honestly i think energize energize us and motivate us and let me not discount the the material things. I was talking to a client the other day and he goes, Matt, I'm a little ashamed to say this, but I really want this house on a hill in Laguna Beach. It's a $5 million house. And I think about overlooking the ocean every morning with coffee in my life and what that would do for me energetically 
to wake up every mm. day, the thrill I would have, the start to my day. And it's like the someone who wants a Ferrari. Like if you want it for reasons that give you inner joy and you will feel alive and energized and you will be a better human being because of it, I applaud you. That's a healthy reason to want a Ferrari or the house on the beach. We don't have to be, we don't have to tell ourselves we don't want that. It's like, if you want it, you go on the list. I want the Ferrari. I want the Laguna Beach. Now it shouldn't all be material things because that's going to lead you down a bad path, but you got to give yourself permission to want certain things that maybe you felt were selfish, but if they know they energize you and they make a better you, and then therefore you can be a better person for your family and your clients and whoever you serve in this world, I said, have at it. I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's, it's more of the, I think for myself, you know, where, where I saw people caged. And so this is, I think it's important to delineate, right? Caged versus uncaged mindset. When you're caged, sometimes there's a, oh, I need the two Teslas because they have the two Teslas and they're the VP at Google and I'm the, you know, VP at Apple and I need to look the same, you know, and then there's this, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type mentality that that is part of the cage life versus maybe actually I, I only need two Corollas and I need to be, you know, investing in some coaching or mentoring that can actually get me to this point of, you know, getting to my full uncaged lifestyle. So that's, that's the only reason I sort of tease that out. Yeah, I get, I get it. There's a healthy and unhealthy versions of obsession. Like if it's driven by comparison and jealousy, don't go down that path. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The negative emotions. And so, so then we're, so then if we're talking about all of a sudden we block it out, we, we, we create the margin, we create the space. Now we've, we've got this vision. What is really then that, that third step? Entrepreneurship. I think entrepreneurship is the highest form of self-development that any of us can go through. Mm -hmm. Having lived this myself, having seen so many others, you go through a gauntlet. You are forged in fire of self-discovery, of understanding what you really want out of life. I think people that go into entrepreneurship, you know, there's different reasons. Um, one model, which I, I know you, you have uh, experience in both models. I'd say yeah. there's like a pure cash flow model of entrepreneurship. And then there's the other model, which I call more of like a passion model. Uh, the cash flow model is not where you're trying to fill a void in your soul. You're just trying to make smart decisions that give you optionality later in life. Mm -hmm. right? yep. We want that sort of thing, like a smart real estate portfolio. You don't have to be passionate about real estate, but it could be some smart moves. Build it because it gives you optionality in other aspects of life as you That's go. Right. Smart move. Like I do some of that. I'm not all in to the level that you are, but I am in that game. It doesn't excite me in, uh, to my core. But then there's the passion side of entrepreneurship, which says, you know, what if I built something, a business that got me so excited? I was jumping out of bed on a Monday morning because I couldn't wait to execute that mission. I couldn't wait to serve the people in a, in a particular way using my superpowers. And I often talk about building a business that's a full expression of yourself. How do you unearth all that is, all that your superpowers, your interests, your experiences, your skill sets? It's kind of a career capital plus type mindset. Right? Yes. And inject that into the core of a business. That's what my business is. It's a pure passion play. Makes makes good living. I'll be in that sense. But it also, I can't wait to do it every day. I'm so beyond grateful that I get to do this. I know I'm saving lives. I have proof that I have saved lives. It's marriages, relationship with kids. I think mm. literally I've saved some lives. I, I can I can stand behind that statement. And as far as the 
level of conversation I've had with certain people. And I feel so blessed to have that. But that's an example of a passion business where it's kind of the core of what you do and it makes good money. And of course, yes. you can pair that in the portfolio mindset. I also have these investments here. I've got this stream over here. It's not one or the other, but it's a delineation about what excites me versus what is just providing cash flow. Right. And I, I talk about this from you know, leveraging your career capital to grow the resume, grow somebody else's mission to now leveraging career capital to grow the legacy. And that's, and that's really, I call that the impact time, because this is where when you do, and I haven't thought about this is like, you're fully transcendent from a business perspective and you go to entrepreneurship, you're really serving people. You know, you could serve other businesses, but there's mm -hmm. people who own those businesses. Ultimately you're serving people. And it is the opportunity to be able to lean into highly developed skills, highly developed passions. And, you know, what I love about it is we're helping people solve problems that we couldn't solve, right? That we, or that we had to figure out this long, painful journey. And, and it's like, let me, let me shorten this for you. Not to, saying I'll take out a lot of the heavy lifting. It's not anything that happens very quickly all the time or easily, but it'll, it's going to save you an amount of pain and mistakes. Totally. Like exactly with your mission, when you're compressing what might be four decades of work that someone doesn't actually like, and you show them how to concentrate it, how to cut it in half, maybe to, to be in roles and situations that actually excite them more where they're leveraging their career capital, using their skill sets in a way that's more exciting. Like what a gift. What, what a priceless thing that you've been able to bestow upon these people that would otherwise spend four decades doing something they don't like for a mediocre outcome. Right. M moving it in and, and front loading that. And then also, I mean, very similar to you is like you're using your career capital, you're trading it for equity, but you're also getting the chance to get the experiences and build skills like you don't leave that off the table. And then how do you transition that to a portfolio lifestyle? And for for me, it's really creating that exit plan. Because to your point, I, you know, real estate is a very much a cash flow play, especially when you're a limited partner. There are some great relationships there, but it is, it's a thing. But to me, it's then being able to create the opportunity to, uh, to teach, you know, and for me, it's educate, serve and connect. I mean, that's really where I want to be spending, you know, the rest of my life. Yeah. It, would it be accurate to say based on what you just said there, that the real estate stuff for some period of time is more of a cash flow thing. And then the core of the the tech career and money element that you're building is, is the thing that lights you up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the real estate thing. And so I actually just recorded my uh, last solo episode about this where, you know, I actually built out the general partner portion of my of my business to help people as well, because so many people wanted they didn't realize in their in their portfolio how to start getting cash flow. I wanted to show them, okay, here's what a great investment looks like, you know, so you can do that. But it was never my intention to do that forever. I think it was part of this journey of now realizing, okay, here's how you can get you can leverage this career capital, work for equity, you know, get this evergreen portfolio, and then how do you launch it into, you know, your exit plan, which is truly doing impact because. Technology employees, we want to solve problems. We don't want to sit on the sidelines. We're not, we, you don't get into technology being a sideline person. You, you know, and I actually have this interview with a guy who transitioned from 
special forces, leading special forces in combat to being a chief revenue officer of a tech company. And it's like, you're, you're taking fire in one way or the other. Hmm. And so I believe that in, you know, in, in, in this is where bringing it home for people is that when you are getting uncaged from corporate and you can see your way out, you're going to want to make an impact. The old way of retirement, of taking a service offline and going into this garden leave, that will kill you. I think it will kill Literally. you. I think that that living with a purpose, having a mission, serving other people will, like you said, like I get up every day. Like I thought about this podcast today. I was looking forward to it. I'm like, I get to jam with Matt. I get to have these conversations. And I'm having realizations of being able to process things that happened in my past more, thinking about ways that I can help people even more. It's truly energizing. I usually get off these podcasts and have to go run a few laps because I'm like just so juiced. Dude, that, that's the state that I think so many people want in their lives. It's a void in their soul. And they keep trying to say that, you know, if I switch jobs, switch companies, that's going to fill the void in my soul. And my, my response to that is, Hardly anyone in this world will feel passionate about a mission that we did not create ourselves. That's right. Right. Like yeah. if we plug into another system, especially a corporate system, which is aligned for profit, right? That while maybe a year at most is going to feel energizing, like, yeah, I love the mission of this company. It's going to wane. It is going to dissipate. You're going to find cynicism. You're going to, the, the politics, all that stuff creeps in. You're like, ah, this was not what I created. I have this void in my soul again. And you're like, maybe the dream job's over here. Like, no, no, no. There is no dream job. There's the dream and there's the job. Two separate things. The dream is of your own creation. And we are building a vehicle or set of vehicles to unlock that dream. The job is a tool to support the build out of that dream. Nothing more. That's right. That's right. I could go on, man. We could keep jamming, but uh, we're going to go. We're going to go right now into the fire round where we ask uh, five questions. We're going to put a bow on this thing. So, I'm actually looking forward to your answer on this. What was the worst career advice that you ever received? God, I was going through my head on this one for a little bit. Matt, you need to become more technical. I heard this for years. It's because I didn't fit the model of success in a technology consulting environment. I lived in the clouds. I think frameworks, big picture. I, you can tell I, I right. live up here. And there's like, you're not like everyone else. You need to become more technical. Learn these technical skills. Learn how to do threat hunting. I'm like, I can't stand threat hunting. I want nothing to do with threat hunting. Get out of here. <laughs> right? And it's like, what I figured out is that by differentiating and living in my zone of genius, I was unique. And then I found a way to compliment everyone else who was following the crowd. And that was the thing that got me promoted more than anything. Oh, that's amazing. I love that story. Uh, how do you keep learning? I keep upgrading my tribe. And mm. that tribe can look like books, podcasts, conversations like this, um, investing in coaching and masterminds. I keep trying to level up the person that I'm surrounding myself with. Mm. And just the byproduct of that is being exposed to their thinking, to their wants, to their worldviews. And it just rewrites the code in my personal operating system. And I, and I think differently, I behave, I want things differently. The whole be, do, have cycle gets refreshed as I upgrade my, my tribe. That's beautiful. I love that. How do you recharge? My morning routine is my ultimate reset. I actually call it a ritual. Um, yeah. I think a ritual a routine can feel robotic in my mind using language. Ritual is something that I can't wait to do. I love. 
Yes. Uh, it's a series of meditation, high quality coffee, coffee, reading, journaling, visualization. I compress all of that into about 90 minutes every Monday through Friday. I don't do it on the weekends. Um, that's one thing. I coach baseball, which lights me up. It's my little, my inner child comes out again. And I get to do that with my son. Um, and they're just having random unplanned family time. That, that, that is beautiful for me. I didn't get enough of that with my kids when they were young. And now that they're older and still around before they go off to college, um, I just relish that beyond words. That's beautiful. What's, uh, what's advice that you give your younger self working in, in tech, working in consulting? Put in the time now, relish it, learn all that there is to learn and be very aware that at some point you're no longer going to want that. And when you no longer want it, you have to pay attention to that voice. And then you have to go seek the mentors that will show you the next chapter. There is great utility in quote, paying your dues, but your inner voice will get very loud over time and you have to pay attention to it. It will not stop talking. That's right, it won't, it won't shut up. So it is Tech Careers and Money Talk. So what's the worst money uh, or investing advice you ever received? 401ks. <laughs> you know, I think about all the other ways I could have used that money in a different way. Um, right. My my friend Mike, he talks about this a lot. I was just chatting with him about it today. He's like, think about if you, you know, you do company matching, for example, and you're like, oh, I'm going to put this money in because I get to vest at what, 59 and a half or whatever, and I get to use it then. Well, think of all the life energy that's gone by the time you're that age and you get to utilize that money. What if you actually invested the earnings or the income you had, not in matching <clears throat> what your employer puts out there, but actually investing in self-education and mentorships and coaching and wow. experiences that expose you to new worldviews? Just Think of $500 here, $1,000 there in your early to mid-20s, how that compounds in self-investment. That self-investment is not taxable because it's always inside of you. It's always there. It's always compounding. Uh, so when I think about putting money away for the long term, my God, who's to say that we have a long term? Who's to say, like, what could we create with those resources now that is in a 10 times better future than we could have ever imagined in the first place. When you just follow general investment principles, like I'm gonna let the stock market go for 30 years and then be happy when I'm 65, like, no, I wanna be the happiest person I can be now, the most impactful, joyful person. I wanna leave an imprint on my kid's life, on my wife's life and everyone that I come in contact with. And you know what? Money is a tool for me to be the best person I can be right now. So I'm going to invest in myself, invest in experiences that make me feel alive now. So that all came from 401k, but it comes down to self-invest now in a big, big way because the compounding is insane. So true. It is so true. I mean, I think about uh, some of the stuff that I knew now, if I knew and I had that knowledge then, like things would be so much different. I God. love that. Gives you the chills almost. Like if I knew what I knew now, 15, 20 years ago, whoa, what would life look like? Right? Be amazing. But we're passing that on. That's for everybody here. Thank you so much, Matt. We appreciate you taking the time and uh, I'm sure we'll see you around again. Well, thank you, Christopher. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Tech Careers and Money Talk. If I could ask you one thing, it would be this. Please leave us a review. We as a, a new and growing podcast, reviews are so important to let other people know the value that you're taking away from this podcast. So our ask is please go on to Apple, Spotify, Google, or onto our webpage, Tech Careers and Money Talk, and please leave us a review. We want to know what you think. Thank you so much.